everyone, my name is Madison Heyer and I am a production manager at a foundation corn production site in Constantine, Michigan, and you are listening to the Whisper Loud podcast. On this podcast, we are giving folks a seat at the table to have candid conversations on careers and decisions faced by women in seed production. In the words of Martin Luther King Jr., find a voice in a whisper. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Whisper Loud podcast, where we have candid chats about career progression, motivation, reservations, and those tough decisions or moments faced by women in seed production. I'm Allie Jack, a product pipeline specialist based out of Iowa, and with us today, we have an exciting guest who you may be familiar with her voice, but before we jump into conversation with her, um, I'm going to hand it over to my co-host, Christine, and let her introduce herself. Hey everyone, I'm Christine Ratzka and welcome back. I am a site lead at a soybean facility in Missouri and I'm really excited to be able to introduce our host. Like Allie mentioned, you've probably heard her voice a lot of times because she's been on the other end of it and now it's really exciting to have her as one of our guests and we get to pick her brain a little bit. So I'd really like to introduce our guest, Chelsea Hagen. She uh, is hailing in from Evansville, Indiana. She is a dynamic professional whose career journey has woven through the realms of bedside nursing, healthcare leadership, and manufacturing and agriculture. As a registered nurse and a recent MBA graduate, Chelsea seamlessly leverages her diverse skill set to foster operational excellence and instill a continuous growth mindset. In her current role as a North America Management Systems Manager supporting production plant operations, Chelsea leads efforts to ensure the operational integrity of critical compliance obligations in seed production. Her commitment to excellence goes beyond compliance as she has actively leads U.S.-based business resource groups with a specific focus on empowering women in agriculture. Chelsea, as a business resource group lead, has been instrumental in supporting the creation of a male ally program, producing US peer coaching content, and playing a pivotal role in crafting this very podcast. Actions that embody her commitment to embracing diverse perspectives. Chelsea's professional journey is marked by her adept use of transferable skills, leaving a positive impact in every role she undertakes. Transitioning from nursing to manufacturing leadership, She not only seamlessly applies her healthcare background, but also serves as a trailblazer, showcasing how skills acquired as an ER trauma nurse can be powerful tools in the realm of manufacturing leadership. Beyond the corporate landscape, Chelsea wears the hat of a devoted mother to four children, Lily, 17, Mason, 15, Jack, 13, and Owen, 10. She shares her life with Brian, who serves as a school superintendent. Outside of work, Chelsea finds joy in travel is a huge fan of Mariah Carey and has recently discovered a passion for Belgian beer. In this episode, join us for a special dive into Chelsea's insights on goal setting as we step into the new year, emphasizing on how individuals from non-traditional backgrounds can not only navigate, but thrive in leadership roles. Welcome, Chelsea. Thanks so much for joining. Did I miss anything in that? I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited um, to be on this side of the podcast today and um, honestly a little nervous as well, (laughs) even though I have told many podcast guests not to be nervous that we can edit things. 
Um, so I'm trying to take my own advice this afternoon as we uh, answer some questions and talk about goal setting. Welcome, Chelsea. And I hope today, you know, with our conversation, we are kind of wanting to dive into that whole new year, new me type of mindset and stretching ourselves. And when, you know, we were planning this episode, we thought there's no one better um, that we've kind of come across than you as you've kind of taken many risks in your career, your life, and really done a bunch of different things that we qualify as risk-taking and stretching yourself. So as we are getting kicked off here, before we dive too deep into content, we just want to know, you know, what have you been up to? What are you thinking for 2024? What, what goals do you have set for yourself? Yeah, so um, I am a big goal setter. I always have been. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting to think of the evolution of goal setting throughout my life and throughout my career. Um, I am, I try every year to go into each year very intentional about goals, both personally and professionally. So um, personally this year, um, a couple of things that I'm working on um, are just habits. I do bullet journaling um, and I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with that. Um, if not, look into it. I read Atomic Habits going into last year and have tried to put a lot of that into place in the last two years. Um, I am hoping to, one of the goals from last year that I'm going to carry in is reading for fun. Last year, I was able to read 37 books for fun, which was a lot for me. Um, so I'm intentionally staying away from some like heavy, uh, you know, corporate or professional development books as much as possible and reading just like light, fun things. I'm trying to cut back on Diet Coke too, which I've got one sitting right here in front of me. So, so far day four or day three, we're not doing so well with that, but we've got some time. Um, and then, you know, from a professional standpoint, I have also always enjoyed setting goals. Um, one thing that I think is interesting that I'm going to do this year, and I learned it last year, actually, I, I went into last year, first time setting goals with a new manager and one of the most impactful years I had setting professional goals and particularly I always, it's always tough to set those like professional development goals um, and try to understand what should those be. Should those be like your weaknesses that you're going to go into the year and try to like resolve. And so you go into the beginning of the year and you're like nitpicking what, what am I terrible at? Like what are the things that I'm really bad at? And that's like, that's such a not great way to start off a new year, just kind of thinking about those things. And so last year, my manager had me set my business goals because those are maybe sometimes a little bit more objective. Like, you know, pretty much what you need to get done this year for the business. And then instead of focusing on the things that I do poorly for development goals and places that I need to develop, she had me focus on the things that I'm going to need to do well in order to achieve my business goals, which I thought that's so smart. So those may not be the things that those might be the things that you're brilliant at, right? So those could be some of the things that are the reasons that you even have those business goals, right? So if you're great at presenting, um, maybe a lot of your business goals have presentation in them. Um, but that still might be one of your development goals to continue to develop in that area because you're going to need that in order to achieve your business goals. And the thing that's cool about that is that it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So by achieving your business goals, you have made progress in your development goals. And by achieving your development goals, you have helped yourself succeed in your business goals at the end of the year. I saw so much more growth personally um, and professionally last year because of that mindset. 
and it was different. And maybe other people have been using this for a while too, but it was different than something I had ever done. And it's definitely something that I'm going to do going into this year. And, you know, I've taken a lot of those, you know, the personality test disc, um, strength finders, working genius. And I've always struggled with, you know, are you supposed to, you know, work on your strengths or work on your weaknesses? What's the right thing to do? And it kind of took all of that out. Are you just focusing on the things that help you get done what you need to get done over the next year? So for me, for goal setting this year, that's something I'll be using for my business and my development goals. And then we'll see how it goes with Diet Coke. I've got a bullet journal. Um, I'm trying to, to cut back every day. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I like that idea about like kind of setting development goals based on what your business goals are. It's kind of killing two birds with one stone. And, and also I think it can help by you're looking to more at your strengths rather than your weaknesses, because I think it was actually in strength finders. If I remember right, it, they do talk about focus on your strengths and hone in and develop those even further rather than your weaknesses, because sometimes that doesn't, that doesn't bring you joy when you keep on failing. So I do, I do appreciate that approach. One thing um, I'm curious about is, you know, with goals, sometimes you can be over ambitious, maybe like the diet Coke situation. What, what advice do you have for either if you kind of fall off track, how can you get back up on the bandwagon and, and what can you do to like move forward to still stay motivated throughout the year? I think that's human nature, right? How many, what is the percentage of new year's resolutions that'll be done by the end of January? It's, it's probably pretty big for me. I think the habits that I started last year, the habit forming. So trying to make things into habit has been really, really powerful. And then trying to focus on smaller goals. So, you know, the big goals are there, but I also think when you think about your, you know, business goals and your development goals, I think I used to think about my development goals, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, come to the end of this year and I'm going to have better executive presence. And like, that's really hard to measure. So it's really hard to like see incremental improvements in that. But if you're tying them to your business goals, I feel like it becomes a little bit more, um, you have to stick to it because you have to do those things to, to achieve your business goals, which you're, you're obligated to, right? And you can see successes every time you complete something. So, you know, if you have a business goal and part of that is a communication strategy that has to get out and you execute on that communication strategy and the message is communicated well and you've improved some skills, then, then you're seeing results right there. And I think that helps you stay a little bit more motivated on things. So I think that's been, that's been really helpful for me, really. Chelsea, as you're looking at your goals and it just changes, you know, as we learned about you a little bit more from your bio, talked about a bunch of career path changes or life changes that you took, but something I'm curious about as you're making changes in goals or making changes in life plans, what support structures did you leverage to help you chunk away at some of those small um, incremental goals to get to the ultimate larger goal that you are going for in that change or reason why you took that, that leap of faith, so to speak. Yeah, I think it, uh, it's interesting that you opened this up and talked about me taking risks in my career, because if you asked me, I would tell you that I'm probably the most risk adverse person that there is. Um, and actually like my role currently is, uh, <laughs> helping us to avoid risk. But I think the way, when I look back at how I've made some of the changes throughout my career, there have been 
structures that I've set up with the way that I do things and the, the things that I seek out that have been consistent, how are things connected, um, that I can kind of see the things that I've done intuitively. First of all, uh, nothing probably would have been possible without my family. I mean, people say that, um, but truly my husband has been my biggest supporter. There has never been a time, and he's, he is a risk taker, right? So he's probably the reason why I'm able to do some of this because um, where I would never even consider doing something or making a change in my career, he's like, yeah, do it. You got to do it. Just do it, right? Um, whereas I am much more calculating than that. So um, he has helped me with that immensely. But you know what I do is I always am evaluating the risk. So if I'm going to make a change, if I'm going to set a big goal, certainly when I've done career changes, I've sat there and thought through um, what are the things that can happen and like what what are the potential outcomes and are they okay? And I don't I'm not sure that that's actually the most healthy thing. I think they they say now like you're not supposed to worry about all the potential outcomes because most of them aren't going to come true. For me personally, I probably wouldn't have taken some of the risks I would have taken if I wouldn't have had some sort of, you know, peace of mind with that. But as I'm getting older, I'm also trying to be a little bit more and and just accepting that, you know, that a really good outcome could happen. So I think there's a little bit of that as well. I think it's really, really important uh, from a, a support structure network or support structure um, is to have your networks, right? If you don't have a mentor, I would always say have a, find a mentor. If you need a mentor, you know, let me know if you're, you're within our organization, I'll help you hook, help to hook you up with a mentor. Um, I think most people in our organization would help to hook you up with a mentor that I've had a consistent mentor since now, since 2017, I've had a couple of others that have kind of been, um, a little bit more transient. That has been, I think, key to some of my, a lot of my successes, but also during really some of my hard times in my career and, you know, some of the, the transitions that were tougher. I also would say, and I don't know that women are always really comfortable doing that, but when you come from a background where uh, people like your skill set isn't obvious. So I'm a nurse working in an ag organization. People don't necessarily always know what that entails. I think I didn't really think through what I, what were those skills from being a nurse until I really was put in that position and had to, and then had to advocate for it. So um, I will uh, openly advocate for, for the skill sets that I have. And uh, the other thing is take every opportunity you have um, that, that you can. And, and I don't want people to overextend themselves, but I've had a lot of times, especially working with the BRGs where people say, well, I just don't have the time right now to do that. I've got, I'm starting a new role. I'm doing, you know, X, Y, Z. And certainly I don't want to encourage people to do things that are, that really feel like it would be too much of a workload for them, but I want them to think really hard about why that feels like a heavy workload. Because when I had the opportunity to lead the um, WISP network a couple of years ago, I ended up in kind of the middle of one of my most significant career changes and, and kind of, um, it was a tough situation that I was in. And without the women and the network and the community that we had in that little organization that year, I would not have, I don't know what the outcome would have been. I wouldn't have had the confidence that I needed. I wouldn't have had the support that I needed. So um, I think you have to, you have to look for those opportunities to have your network expanded. And anytime you get the opportunity to develop a skill set or um, learn something, 
you've got to take the opportunity to, to make you better prepared for, for the next thing that comes up in the next challenge. There's like so much good stuff that you just said there that I'm struggling with even figuring out <laughs> which path I want to go down because I want to dive deeper into a lot of a lot of different things that you said. Um, one thing one thing that's kind of like I keep on going back to is how, you know, you're not super a risk risky person and things and you know going from healthcare to ag I mean that's that's a change that I don't feel like most people take I don't know many people who who decide to make this change and you know how how did you come up with come up with that and and throughout the process like what did you really learn about yourself with moving from this huge job change yeah. Um, I would love to tell you that I was so smart and just like had this intuition that, you know, this was the change for me, but that's not the way that it happened. Um, my, me moving from, um, being a bedside, you know, trauma ER nurse to being, um, in agriculture manufacturing and the kind of compliance piece that I am, that didn't happen because I made a cut, like a specific decision to do that. Um, I, started by coming into the company as an occupational health nurse. I was lucky enough to be surrounded by other leaders who were allies and advocates and who saw the potential and were willing to kind of take the risk, but also help me to see the potential in myself. So I was from the very beginning, really lucky to have wonderful mentors around me um, and people that really, you know, cheered me on and advocated for me. I think the one thing that I've really learned, and I, I just want to encourage women, is to be, to find your confidence, to be confident. Um, and I know that's easier said than done. And I wasn't, I wasn't great at this. Um, I'm getting better at this, but I had the opportunity to have a, a career coach last year through the company. And one of the activities that she did with me was, it's kind of, it sounds silly, right? But a smart journal, right? And I actually, I told her right off the bat, I'm completely adverse to journaling. I don't want to journal. So please don't ask me to journal. And she said, well, just, just do this. Um, because I think women have a tendency, and I know I sure did, what to blame everything on luck. Like, oh, I just got in the right place at the right time. Um, and it takes a lot of right places at right time before we truly believe that like, it wasn't just the right place at the right time. It was actually, I'm actually, I'm smart, right? I'm, I'm good at certain skills. Um, I, I belong here. I can do these things. And that, that has been the hardest part of the transition going from, from nurse to what I'm doing now is to believe and be confident enough that I, I can do well at that, any role that I set my mind to, um, as long as it's got, you know, these certain skill sets that I, I want to use in my job and that I know that I'm good at. And so in my smart journal, she had me write down different situations and I still keep it. You know, if I do something and I want in my head to tell myself that that was a luck thing, you go back and, and kind of dissect that um, and, and understand that, you know, not everything is just from luck, that you're actually making these things happen and that you, you know, you can be successful because of the work, the hard work and the things that you do to put into it. I love this idea of really changing your mindset from, I'm just lucky to be here to, you know, as you mentioned, I belong here. I've worked hard to get here. And I think that mindset can really 
change a person's confidence, as you mentioned. And, and that just gives me like personally inspiration to sit down and think about what I've done and where I've been, because I think confidence is one of the things I've set in my goals personally to, to kind of chip away at. I, I also have that imposter syndrome type of Mm -hmm. thing going on with myself and something I want to chip away at and give myself a little bit of grace. But for anyone who may have goals in 2024 to make a pivot or maybe feeling like they don't want to apply for a role because they don't think they have the skill sets or they don't have the education, you know, what would you recommend they do to help stand out in the crowd to, to, you know, have the confidence to apply for it, even though you may not meet the criteria or have the confidence to lead something larger or do something they've kind of dreamed of, but never really had the courage to do so. Yeah. And Allie, I think you and I have that in common, having sort of a less, I want to say a less traditional background um, coming into this. And I think, you know, imposter syndrome is something that all, a lot of women, you know, say that they struggle with. And there are a lot of men that struggle with it. There are a lot of all, all folks that struggle with that. But I can't imagine someone having the kind of the background and the career path that you and I've had without having at least a little touch of that. There have been a lot of times when I feel like, what, what am I doing in this room? I'm, I'm just a nurse. What am I doing here? So that actually is the first thing when, um, to stand out in the space and it really back to that confidence thing is I've had to get over that calling myself just a nurse. I just did it actually. I mean, you (laughs) just heard me say that (laughs) and that's really hard. Not that I don't think that nurses are amazing. So please don't you know, take that any other way, but had to learn to lean into that diversity, you know, underrepresented groups, diversity are, you know, diverse and underrepresented populations, but there's also diversity of background and skill set and diversity of thought. And so I've had to really work to define what, what it is that I bring from nursing. So what are those transferable skills? I have been able to use those transferable skills very successfully. And I've been able to use the transferable skill of learning which is, you know, something that we all did probably if we went to school and we've had careers. So I'm never afraid to learn from someone. I'm never afraid to, um, you know, go and ask for help and surround myself with people who have diverse thought processes and diverse backgrounds. And that includes, you know, the backgrounds that I come from. We already talked a little bit about confidence again with like the smart journaling and things like that. The other thing I think is such an important skill that people really appreciate and it's so underrated is accountability. So if I, you know, there are a lot of skill sets that are out there, say you're going to do something and you get that done. I think that builds trust. And then from trust, you can build relationships and relationships. You can learn all the things that maybe you don't know and fill in those gaps. And so I think that has also helped me to be really successful is a high level of responsibility, a high level of accountability. And I always try to get things done. If I say, if I'm going to commit to it, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get that done. I think that would be, those are, those are some of the things that I've learned and I'm still learning. I'm still, I mean, I'm still figuring out. I've still got, you know, half a career here to go and who knows what's next. One thing that, you know, I want to say too, is that you are not just a nurse, Chelsea. (laughs) Um, You know, you, you've proven that, you know, that, that, that's not the case at all. You, you keep on going and these paths that, yeah, you probably didn't think of before, you know, when you were maybe uh, just being like a bedside, you know, nurse, but that, you know, and it proves it too, because you did get your MBA. 
Mm -hmm. Um, what, what made you decide to, to do that then? Honestly, for me growing up and, and getting an MBA, that wasn't necessarily in the cards. Um, and that, I think that's something else that I've had to be, I've had to adapt to that. I think a lot of times, um, when you're in an industry like this, people have really clear visions of what their career paths are going to be. And I think that's amazing. And I've always been really jealous of that. I have never, I don't get, I don't have that because I didn't grow up, you know, dreaming of a specific career path or specific degree progression that, I I mean, I was going to be a nurse. Actually, I did. I was going to be a nurse. I was a nurse. I am a nurse. Um, I was going to be a nurse practitioner. Then who knows what I was going to do from there. So that was going to be my my master's degree eventually. The reason why I chose to get an MBA a couple of years ago was really because I think I love to learn. And so when I was in the roles that, that I was in and I was able to, to be successful in, in order to be more successful, I wanted to fill in the gaps and the things that I didn't learn. Um, and so I, I just wanted the opportunity to, to learn and to keep, to keep growing and developing. So for me, that's, that's why I decided to do that. I also think, and I want to take the time to encourage, cause I've heard a lot of people, you know, I've met a lot of folks that maybe would like to do that. And I want to encourage you to take advantage. If, if your company allows you to do that and you're able to do that, please, you know, take advantage of that. I had to do a lot of the, you know, background work and try to understand how that would work and the research and all of that, um, which is something I actually like to do, but it, it seems overwhelming, but I want to encourage people that that's doable also. So if you, if you want to learn, if you, if there's a skill set or there's something that you want to study and know more about, um, take advantage of the opportunities that are out there for you. Something that's a little bit scary for me, I think sometimes to think about as I am interested in pursuing, you know, further education is how, how that looks with my other support networks and having those conversations with family, friends, asking for help. I know we're working in, uh, as you mentioned, you and I are both not traditionally trained in or educated in agriculture, but love to learn. So how do you approach that conversation and saying, I want to continue education. My initial isn't in agriculture per se, but I want to continue to learn. How do you approach those conversations with your work network, whether it's your boss or your peers who have to maybe lean, you you have to lean on them with your workload. And then also your family, your friends who may have to support you as you study or go to a class or stay up late and, and read, you know, what does that look like? Do you have any advice for, for folks as, you know, like myself, as I'm interested in pursuing that a little bit? I mean, the first thing for me, I mean, I knew that I wanted to pursue more education always. So even when I came into the company, I I was always kind of thinking about when, when would be the right time? What would be the right opportunity for me? I had to get brave again. I had to be courageous um, because nobody's going to come to you and say, Hey, Chelsea, do you want to go back to school? So I, I had to be brave enough to have that kind of vulnerable conversation because you do have to get approval. I also had to apply to to universities, which was scary because you have to, uh, you don't just automatically get in. Um, I had to take, you know, the admission test, um, the standardized test for your master's degree. I had to um, write essays. I had to fill out an application. I had to ask people, I had to ask leaders in our organization for letters of recommendation, which was really scary too, because they have to have, you know, you have to have multiple letters of recommendation from previous bosses. And I don't have um, really access to people from, you know, when I was in the hospital, um, a lot of folks have moved on. So, nor would they even be applicable for a, 
you know, business degree. I, I had to get really brave. And that took a couple of years, honestly, of me wanting to do it, but then getting brave enough to go and ask for help and, and see if people would be supportive of me. Luckily, everyone that was around me, and I think in our, organiza- our organization in general, and I think I found across the entire ag industry, people are amazingly supportive. Um, they were thrilled. They were excited. So there really was no pushback once I got up the courage. I was my only barrier. I always was my only barrier when it came to that. As far as, you know, personally, I would feel disingenuous if I told you all that, you know, it was really tough and I had to work through it with my family. My, my family has been incredibly supportive. Again, my husband is way bigger risk taker than me. By the time that I uh, was able to say that I wanted to spend my time and my money and my energy towards this, he was like, yeah, that's what you want to do. Let's do it. My kids were a little bit older. They were still young. I mean, it was uh, two nights a week and it was for two years, year round. Um, and so there was, there was a trade-off, right? There was some time that I had to spend away, but I feel like, you know, if it's something that you're passionate about and I was, um, you can make it work immediately. When I got to school, developed networks and relationships there, which helped, um, a lot of an MBA program is a lot of project work, a lot of case studies. So it really helps if you have a core group of people around you that, um, you can depend on to get their part of the work done and they could depend on me. So, you know, the same things that when I move into a new role at work and I'm like working on like, who is my network? Who are my people? Who can I learn from? I did the same thing in school. So it's completely, you know, wherever you go, you got to do those same things. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was really it. There's, I don't know if there's any magic sauce to it other than truly looking back, I was my only, I was my only barrier. As soon as I was brave enough to say, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it and I'm going to do a great job at it then the rest of it was, was easy, pretty much. I mean, I, I wouldn't say sometimes the business law class was not most my favorite and that wasn't always super easy, but easier comparatively. Yeah. I feel like most of the time, the scariest part is just taking that leap. And then once you're in it, it's really not as bad as you imagine. No, so. no, <laughs> no, it's not. Um, and it went by fast. I was, I mean, I feel like when I did my MBA program, it was during, it was during COVID. So I started actually in May of 2020. And so what was supposed to be an on-campus program converted to a lot of virtual, but we were all staying at home anyways. So I didn't have anything better to do. So (laughs) that's what I spent a lot of time during COVID doing. No, I think that's great. And congratulations on completing it. I know it's an exciting, an exciting time. I think as we uh, we kind of wrap up today, you know that we have one final question to ask you, Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you've been thinking about it. So what we always like to do on a Whisper Loud podcast is we have one question that we always ask all of our, go- our guests. What is something you would never whisper, but you would always shout from the rooftops? All right. So this question, I obviously knew was coming and um, I helped write this question several years ago. I feel like there's a lot of pressure for it. And I actually told Allie when we were kind of doing the pre-stuff, I was trying not to have an answer for it because I really loved some of the spontaneous answers that we've gotten. And so I've spent the last couple of years thinking about it, but intentionally for the last couple of weeks, I've been not thinking about it to try to trick myself into being spontaneous with my answer. But today I did start thinking about it. And if you know me, I'm a pretty literal person. So as I was thinking through 
what is something that I would shout from the rooftops? I was like, what is something that I would ever shout? First of all, like how, like, how do you even break this down? So I was like, what are the things that I holler? And so um, there's really one thing that I holler right now pretty frequently. And I have three teenagers at home. So the thing that I shout from the rooftops every single day is brush your teeth and wash your face and don't come downstairs until you've done that. So that is, that is what I shout from the rooftops. So, and then I was like, well, that, that's terrible advice. We're doing a career, you know, podcast here, focused on goals, brushing your teeth and washing your face is not good. And I've, I've learned such wonderful things from the answers from these questions. I'm hoping to leave people with something. So when I say brush your teeth and wash your face, um, I was thinking, what am I, what, why am I saying that to my kids constantly? And it's because I love them and I care about them and I want them to be healthy. And also because I want them to love them and I want them to care about themselves and take care of themselves and be healthy. And I also, the other thing that I was thinking about is that I think that them having that good habit is really important. You know, it's an anchor habit. Those habits are easy to tie other habits onto if they want to take up a new habit one day. So like you have to have those habits at the beginning and the end of each day. So the advice that I'm giving then, and I think it's really pertinent right now as you're looking at goal setting for this year, as we're, you know, the world is crazy. There's a lot of uncertainty in a lot of places. So take care of yourself, take care of your body, take care of the people that you love and try to have some good anchor habits that you can grow from. And so that's, that's what I would say. Well, thank you, Chelsea. We know that that advice will hit people in all the right places as we're kicking off our new year and get us through, you know, the year of 2024. It was great catching up with you today. We really appreciate the conversation around goal setting, risk taking, and the vulnerability that kind of comes along with the comes along with those decisions. And I know you feel like you're risk adverse, but as I've gotten to know you and know your story, I've found that you're incredibly brave, but calculated when you're taking risks. So that's why we knew you'd be the perfect candidate to have this conversation with us today and really kick us off into getting us excited about a new year and what we should, you know, maybe help ourselves focus on as we, we take on the next, the next year. So before we close though, I do want to open up the floor and see if there's anything else you want to chat about, or if we missed any topics that, that you want to dive into. So grateful for the time today. Um, so grateful for the work that you all put into this. I hear all the time, the impact that it has on people. So I really appreciate that. And, you know, just keep up the good work. This is amazing stuff you're doing. Of course. Thank you.